This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Steve Vickers in Christian Life Church in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com. All right, we're starting a new series here today, um, and it's a, uh, <clears throat> we were, had taught a series on uh, living in the right direction and how you make sure that your life is going in the right direction and you don't wind up letting things direct you, but under God, you choose the right direction for your life. And we talked about that. We're going to start a little short series here that's going to run from now till Easter. And we want to explore the thought or the, the statement, and you might want to write this down, you were born for this. Okay, if we were to, if, if I was to give you a statement and ask you to write out and complete the sentence, let me give you the sentence, you complete it in your mind. I was born to. I was born to. I want to encourage you, um, that's something all of us need to define. It gives us a reason, a strength, a focus to direct our life, to ensure our life is what it should be. And we're actually staying above all of the junk that tries to come against us and distract us so that at the end of our life, we say, well, I did it. I did what I wanted to do. I accomplished what I was here to do. I, I, I finished the course. There is something you were born to do. Every one of us, and that means you and it means me, were born for a purpose. You're not here by accident. It's, you're not the insignificant person while everybody else matters. You matter. Now, sometimes circumstances in life and sadly to say even family or friends will try to strip that from us to make us feel like we really don't matter. Everybody else matters but me or I'm insignificant. If something's going to go wrong, here it is. Uh, you know, if I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck. Uh, all those kind of things. But let me tell you, no one is insignificant. You need to sometime this week look up the word significant significant, and you need to write your name out beside it in the dictionary. Of course, probably you'll look it up online on your mobile phone on dictionary.com, but uh, you need to write down what it says, and when, it, you re- when you say all that, you say, that's me. Everybody say, I am significant. Now, I know that that can, some of you say, okay, is this some motivational speaker? Are you about to, to uh, sell a series on, uh, you know, are you selling us a self-help program or something in just a moment and, or a product? No. Uh, you are the product and what God created you to be and to do is the product. And that's the, uh, what I'm trying to sell to you. But you need to understand you really are significant. Now, 
you know, that is settled. It was settled in my life before I got saved, what we call saved, which is before I met Jesus, before I surrendered my life to him and trusted in him, uh, I tried to create my significance. Uh, I would do what was popular. I would, all, you know, or whatever it was to make my own significance. And we do it in different ways. That's why a guy joins a gang. That's why a girl does certain things. And that's why people do all these things because we're trying to find significance. See, uh, there's a, a, a book years ago that I read. It was called In Search of Significance and how it, all of mankind begins to search for significance. Well, let me tell you, when I read about what Jesus did in the, at the cross for me, when I first started reading the Bible and I saw there, and you know, when I started reading the Bible, I had to make a decision, either this book is true or it's not. You know, I mean, the first few words in the beginning, in the beginning, uh, in Genesis says, in the beginning, there you go. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, in the beginning, God, well, hey, I can't get past those four words if I can't believe it. Because everything after that, I either believe what the first four words said, in the beginning God, or nothing else is real to me. So I had to settle it, and I, I decided that, okay, I believe what this book says. I believe the Bible. Now, Jesus didn't appear to me. God didn't appear to me. You know, n- nothing like that happened. I didn't have, you know, some great experience, and sometimes you can have those and realize or find out later it was because you had a real spicy pizza the night before, and you think you had a vision from God. So I don't trust those things, but I trust what God says in his word. So I settled it, and I... In my own heart, I settled it. I said, it's settled. I believe what this book says. And when I did that and I read in there that Jesus, what he did at the cross, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of my peace, my peace. So that Steve Vickers, that I might have peace, was laid upon him and by his stripes we were healed. When I read that and I thought, you did that for me. Well, all of a sudden I realized I'm somebody. When the son of God is willing to die for me, that makes me a somebody. Whether you think I am or whether anybody else does, if he does, you know, listen, if you work for a company, say you worked for, for, uh, uh, some company, I'm trying to think of who, uh, say you worked for Amazon and, uh, You're just, you know, somebody's doing a little thing for Amazon. But all of a sudden, Jeff Bezos knows your name, who is the founder and owner of Amazon. He knows your name, and he knows all about you, and he calls you up and makes sure things are going well for you and all of that. You know what? If nobody else in that company thinks you're somebody, but Jeff does... You know what? You're going to kind of, when the people at the, at the coffee, you know, at the, I mean, at the water cooler, they're standing there and they're treating you like, you know, you're nobody. You're going to think, if you knew, who knows me? And you're going to kind of wish, I wish Jeff would walk up right now. Because if he did, these guys would fall on the floor because he'd walk up and say, hey, Steve, how you doing? Hey, Debbie, how you doing? Hey, Paul, how you doing? And they'd fall out. Uh, Stephen, my son, uh, was working. We lived, when we lived in California, he was working for Apple and uh, uh, not at the headquarters. He was working there in LA at Apple. And uh, they had a thing going, uh, where a thing that he got, had to go up where he was in, uh, I forget the name of the, 
Cupertino, where Apple headquarters is. And he was over at, they had this, you know, phenomenal uh, snack place and with all these things for their employees to go anytime they want to get something to drink or something to eat, a bagel or a muffin or a cup of coffee or whatever it may be. And so Stephen was up there getting something and guess who walked up right beside him and stood there? Steve Jobs. Walked right up and was standing there, you know, and they were standing beside each other and Stephen didn't realize that he walked and sat back down with this group of people. But everybody, when he sat down, they said, whoa, do you know who you were standing with? He said, who? And they said, Steve Jobs, the man himself. See, all of a sudden, Stephen was elevated to a position of, everybody thought he was so cool because he stood by him. They didn't talk. Steve didn't know him, but they stood beside each other. Isn't the world something, you see? Now, let me tell you, there is somebody standing with you, living in you, and who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So wherever you are, if everybody could see, they'd say, whoa, do you see who's with you? Do you see who's standing beside you? Say it again. I am significant. See, we need to understand that. Our significance is not, you know, I'm not significant because of Steve Vickers. Now, I did for 24 years try to establish that. I tried to prove that. I worked hard at it. But then when I got saved at 24 years of age, when I turned my life over to Jesus Christ, what does that mean? That I turned from the way I was going, I turned toward him and said, I surrender my life to you, Jesus. I'm yours. I believe in what you did at the cross from this moment forward, I'm yours. And that changed my life. It changed my life. But for the first time in my life, I realized I don't need to find significance. I have been given significance. All right, so every one of us is significant. Every one of us matters. Say, I matter. I matter. Say it again. Now listen, I'm, sa- I'm sorry that the church has tried to beat this out of us. I'm not talking about this church, but I'm talking about the church in general. I'm sorry that the church has tried to tell, strip that away from us so much because we have gotten a warped idea then about God, about how Christianity is, and really about how we're to be. Listen, when I read the Bible without religious eyeglasses, all of a sudden I find a God who's full of love and who really does want to make my life matter, not just when I get to heaven, but here on earth. And he has given me significance and he says, you matter to me. So I apologize for the church But let me tell you, if you choose to carry that baggage, no matter who put it on you, that you don't matter, that everything about you is evil and you're not good and you're not this and you're all that, no matter who put it on you, I don't care if there's somebody important, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your boss, your pastor, whoever it is, they are wrong for doing that, but you're wrong for keeping it. If you choose to keep it, then don't blame them Don't give me a sad story about, well, they did this to me because I don't have time for victims. 
because victims want to be a victim and they want you to feel sorry for them. And they refuse to believe in redemption. They refuse to believe in a complete redemption where God lives in me. I'm dead and a new man's living here and that man does matter. Okay. So don't drag that stuff. If you want to drag it, go to another church where everything's wrong and everybody's against you and you can be there and say, yeah, see, that's what they told me and they're doing all this to me. But don't drag it in here because you do matter. And you're not going to do anything for God until you recognize you matter. Because you can't help somebody else until you've found it yourself. See, I can't take someone where I've never been. I can't show someone what I've never seen. I can't tell something I've never heard. All right. You are here to make a difference. Say that. I am here to make a difference. If you happen to follow me on Twitter, for the last few weeks, you've been getting a big dose of the fact that you are a difference maker. I've talked about that a lot on Twitter, on my little post there about, I've been on that kick there about how to make a difference and how simple it is to make a difference and how everyone can make a difference. And if you want to follow me, it's at Dr. Steve Vickers. I had to use doctor because Steve Vickers is a uh, a hockey player that's very famous. And so he kind of stole my name for everything. He thinks he's significant. But anyway, you are here to make a difference. Say, I make a difference. Say, I matter, and I make a difference. Listen, if you can ever grab a hold of the fact you're a difference maker, it'll change your life, because you'll start making a difference. And do you know the world will turn, they'll listen to a difference maker. I'm telling you, it opens all kinds of doors for you when you're a difference maker. You are here to make a mark that will last forever. I'm not talking about last while you're here last for a few years. You're not here to be a flash in the pan that's a superstar for a moment and a has-been for the rest of the time. You are here to make a mark that will last forever. You were born to do something, and so I want to help you discover that. All right, let's look at what that is. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, guys, uh, have we got our, there we go. Now let's look at this. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Everybody say, that's me. That's me. So let's say it together. That's me. Okay. See, we were dead because of our disobedience and our many sins. You used to live in sin just like, if, I, if you have your Bible and you can actually do this, I'll, I use the U version on my on my. Uh, phone and my tablet and all that. And, but I, and I like the fact that I can push on it and highlight it. I can highlight it. So, but if you will, if you've got your Bible, they're just circled just like. Uh, of course, you may not have the New Living Translation. But uh, that, I love that. It said, you used to live in sin just like. Because, see, we're either going to be just like the world or just like Jesus. 
Everybody is just like somebody. <laughs> you thought, I, I thought you said I was significant. Yes. But here's the issue. We're either just like the world, like everybody else, and our significance is the fact that we're just another drop in the great ocean of the mass of humanity, or we're just like Jesus, and we're a difference maker. You used to live in sin. I hope that's true for all of us. We used to. Now, let me say this. Are we saying that, okay, now, we need to understand words, language, and words to God matter, and they do to man. Our words matter. Uh, I'm going to talk sometime, do a series on uh, small things, big, big uh, difference, you know, how there's some small things about our life that make a huge difference, and we need to recognize those small things because we tend to focus on some big thing, and it's the small things that create the big things. All right, and if you can grab a hold of that, there's some small thing you can do that will draw attention and suddenly set you on fire. So let's not go there yet. That's another series. All right, you used to live in. Okay, when he says live in, in other words, that's your life. Now listen, you know, Denise is a Christian, but she sins at times. She'll be, I love to. (laughs) No, see, I mean, We all, there's times I have to say, God, forgive me for that attitude. You say, well, that doesn't matter. Well, it matters to God. You know what I mean? There's some people I have to say, God, help me to love them. I know y'all, now, of course, I'm not that way because I think I'm great. But there are some people that aren't, no. We all rub somebody wrong. And there's people that rub us wrong. But I still got to have the right attitude, don't I? Okay. And so we, a Christian may sin, but they don't live in sin. There's a difference. And this is, I love this years ago. Can't remember her name, but this dear old lady, when I was a young Christian, she uh, was talking to me and I'd just gotten saved. And she was an old, old saint and been around forever. And, and I think she knew Noah and all them. But uh, I mean, she was really wonderful, sweet little old lady. And I was telling her and I said, you know, I'm trying to live for God. But, and you know, but it seems like, you know, suddenly something will slip out of my mouth and I'll be mad before I know it. I'll say, what the? And I say, I didn't say it, but I said, you know. And I said, I'll go, oh my God. Or, you know, I'll, I'll have an attitude and I'll, I'll walk up and tell somebody off or something. And I said, there's, or I look at a girl and I think all kinds of thoughts. And I think, what am I doing? I was just a baby Christian, you know. And, and she said, Steve. Now I'm telling this to a lady. But she was like a grandmother. So I felt it was a comfort zone, a safe harbor where I could tell her. And she'd look at me, you unclean, filthy animal. You filthy animal. I just quoted home alone, but anyway, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, some of you are too old to understand that and some are too young. Well, well, but anyway, she put her arm around me. She said, listen, Steve, she said, let me give you a little picture. A lamb and a pig are on a little walk and they're going down a dirt road. And suddenly there's this big mud hole and they both fall in it. And she said, the lamb jumps up and shakes it off, but the pig wallows in it. She said, a Christian's a lamb 
and the world, the sinners are like the pig. I said, good, because then I understood, yeah, there may be times that, you know, you don't just fall into sin, you make a choice, and I'm not saying the devil made me do it, you know, but sometimes I do. Sometimes I have a wrong attitude. Before I know it, man, my flesh has taken over and my spirit is having to say, whoa, dude. And if, and if my spirit is not quick enough to stop and something is said or an attitude develops and before I knew it, you know, it's obvious, then I do. And if I need to say to the person, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, then I'm going to do that because I don't want them to think that's what a Christian is like. I'm going to say, I'm sorry, but then I'm going to tell God, God, you know, and I may be walking back to my car and say, God, forgive me. I don't have to fall on my face, beg and plead, fast for 40 days for God to forgive me. The cross is enough. And I'll simply, he said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us. And see, I, you know, if I remember one time I was in a store and I mean, they treated me so Horrible. Customer service is a foreign term in a lot of places in, the, in business today. It's amazing. Cause, and I told him, I said, I know you make so much money and I'm just one of a, you know, all these customers and I don't matter. And see, I was like that and I'm so wrong. You're pastor. Can you believe it? But I was spending my money, not theirs, mine. And they were treating me like that. And, you know, they said some things and acted, you know, and acted. And so I said, I'm sorry. So I walked out and then going to my car, the Holy Spirit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The Holy Spirit, just like, son. Listen, when I was a kid, when I was in school, my homeroom was the principal's office. <clears throat> Seriously. When I walked in, into the school office. I'm not kidding. When I walked into the school office, they said, he's right back there. They didn't ask me what I was there for. You know, nothing. Kids came in and gave room reports, all that. They knew why I was there. And I'd go back. And it got to where, you know, uh, I'd knock on the door. He said, come on in, Steve. Seriously. And, you know, I'm walking back to my car and all of a sudden it was like the Holy Spirit said, the principal's office. And I thought, oh, I'm sorry, I know, and I shouldn't have acted that way. And I said, I was wrong. And like that, I felt the guilt lift. I felt, you know, I knew I was okay. And I asked the Lord, I didn't feel condemned. Now, if I'd have gone and said, I'm not, you know, I don't care. Leave me alone. If I pushed him away, that'd be a different thing. But see, I didn't want to live that way. I made that mistake, but I didn't want to keep being that way. And I said, Lord, change me, help me. And part of that, even failing, because God's so gracious, he'll even weave your failures into your learning process and to help change you. Listen, Jesus is such a great safety net. No matter how you fall, you're going to land in him. So let's go. You used to live in sin. Everybody say, I used to live in sin. And he said, just like the rest of the world obeying the devil, oh, I don't like that, the commander of the powers in the unseen world, but that's the truth. Next verse, guys, let's go. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires, you know, your fleshly things. 
and inclinations of our sinful nature. Okay? By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger. There's those two words again, just like. Just like everyone else. Again, I say it. We either live just like the world or just like Jesus. I didn't say we're perfect, but we're trying to be like Jesus. Or we're either like the world. And the world will see the difference. And so does God. All right? So he tells us that we're either that way, we're either like, we're used to be this way. Now let me tell you, how do we find, we're talking about you were born for this. And so how do I find what I was born for? Well, now that you're a Christian, let me tell you the beginning point. Sounds weird, may sound a little strange, but the beginning point is actually remembering where you came from. Because you can't find God's purpose and what God created and why you were born, what you were born to do, and God wants you to do something, you say, man, I was born for this. I was born to do this. It's not a job. Yeah, I make money. Yeah, I'm good at it. But I was born to do this. See, I'm not just talking. You know, it's anything, okay? Whatever you're, whatever you're uh, were created to do. But the beginning point is remembering where we came from, remembering God's work in our life, remembering the fact that his grace brought us out of something. Listen, I want this church to step beyond what a lot of churches are willing to do. And that is, let's be willing to love people when they don't deserve it. Because that's what happened to us. We so easily forget that I, it grieves me when I stand with Christians, and I'm not talking about you, but I just stand with a group of Christians, that all of a sudden somebody, will something will be going on, a Christian has failed, or either somebody is doing kind of dumb stuff, and real quick, they're going to talk about it. And they'll talk about it as though they were the perfection of majesty and purity and holiness. And, and they're talking about it. And I'm thinking, and I do this sometimes. I'll say, I remember when you, and sometimes I get a look like, you better not go there. <laughs> I've done it to pastors that, you know, get in a group of pastors and suddenly they're talking about another pastor. And I know some things about some of those doing the talking And I look at them and say, well, I remember. And they usually, when you do that, because I've gained some credibility and I'm a little older now than most of them, they, when I do that, they'll just like, you're right. They'll, they'll humble themselves and say, you're right. See, when all of a sudden we are confronted with the fact that, Hey, yeah, look at what that person has done, but look what you've done. Now, listen. The worst thing Denise ever did was she smoked part of a cigarette. I'm not kidding. She smoked part of a cigarette. She wrote that in her book. I wanted to slap her. Because before that, she wrote a book telling what I had done. And it was a lot worse than smoking part of a cigarette. But then she's going to be honest in her book and say, I smoked part of a cigarette. Oh, come on. Really? I want to bow down at your feet and grovel and say, when? One day I want to be like you. But see, 
We can look at Denise and you can compare my life with hers. And if you do, I'll know. <laughs> you compare my life to where she was and she got saved when she was minus three years old. <laughs> no, she got saved at like four. And then the worst thing she did, she was like 13 or 14 or 12 or something, 13, 14 years old, smoked part of a cigarette and her mother found out and her mother whipped her that evening and then whipped her the next morning when she saw her the first thing. And that's, Denise never did anything else. But, uh, and yet, you look at her life and you take my life and you say, well, boy, Steve, you ought to love God. Man, I tell you, what he did for you, doggone, you ought to be you ought to be a preacher. You ought to be telling people because you've got to make up for a lot of stuff. But you see, here's the thing we've got to understand. And I'm talking about you. Maybe you look at your life and you say, well, I never did all that. I was raised in church like Renee, you know. Or, and, and you think, oh, I was raised in God. And, you know, yeah, you know, I've heard my dad say some stories, but, you know, that was my dad. You know, I'm a great person. I never, listen, you got to understand, sin is sin. Sin is sin. But here's the thing God did. God, because he loved all of the people like Steve Vickers just as much as he loved the people like Renee and Denise. See, we don't, but he does. And I'm glad you're not God. He is. Because you judge me, but he loves me. See, but. See what God did because he loved folks like me. Help me out somebody. Some of you were in that same boat. I saw you. Yeah, I know you got you looking good here and all that. But if we knew the truth. See, it's just not everybody had a wife that said, I'm going to write a book and tell all. I thought, okay. She didn't finish it about you. you know? and, uh, but it was the story. It was our story. And it was for the glory of God to show how God took somebody like me with somebody like her that were oil and water. And God did some wonderful things. You need to get that book back out about our marriage. But anyway, here's the thing. God loved me still he loved me as much as he loved Denise. And I know that's hard to understand. But he loves all of us the same because all of us are his kids. You listen, I don't know about you, but if you've had kids, you may have had one that was like, oh boy. I told, I told one of them one time, I said, listen, you know what? I can just get rid of you and make another one. I was so upset and so tired. But you know, when I said that to them after I went to bed, I remembered my poor mom and dad. My dad coming to get me out of jail and stuff. And he'd say, boy, you're just, you're just breaking my heart, you know? But see, because God loves us. And you know, my kids, Denise, little Denise, never got a whipping. Not one time in her life. Never. Now, Misty, our second daughter, Misty never missed a day. You're laughing. I'm serious. There was not a day. I'm not kidding. There was not a day in raising Misty. She did not get at least one. One was the going rate. 
a spanking because Misty was always doing something. I mean, it was like nonstop. We'd whip her and she'd go do something else. Different. She wouldn't do what we whipped her for, but she could come up with something else to do. And see, some of God's kids are that way. But you know what? Do I love Denise, little Denise, more than I love Misty? Absolutely not. Misty was just a whole lot more work. But do I love her? Absolutely I love her. I love her. She makes me laugh. I love her. And I know, see, that's a human being that can't compare to God's love. And he loves all of us the same. And so God had a situation. He had a problem. He was in a predicament because he had these kids that were bad that he loved. And he had some that were okay, you know, not as bad. They, I mean, they still weren't perfect, but he loved them. So what does he do? He said this, all right, everybody's guilty. And the people like Denise could say, that's not fair. And he tells a story, you know, about those that, the laborers, you know, and I know that's about what, how we serve, but also it's about God's grace for all of us. Some went to work and worked all day, but the one that got, went to work right before quitting time, they clocked in and the bell went, the whistle went for them to clock out. So they did this, cha-ching, cha-ching. And the boss paid them as much per day for the whole days. He did the one that worked all day from sunup to sundown. And the one that got paid the... The, the, it worked all day, got upset. But you see, that's grace, folks. Maybe you were a good person, never done all that stuff. And then you look at somebody like me or somebody else or somebody in our neighborhood, in our city, every one of you can probably think of somebody that doesn't deserve, that really, sh- yeah, if anybody goes to hell, you should. And I had people that after I got saved, they said, well, I figured you should go to hell. And they were right, but so should they. Because God said, you're all guilty. So he could give his son on the cross to die for our sins. So he could say, you're all innocent. And there I am. And probably there you are. There we all are. Because of the grace of God. See, we were all sinners, but the grace of God. You were born for something, but to discover it, we need to realize where we came from. Where did God bring us from? Oh, the preacher, he's, I was talking to a man a while back. And he and I were talking about the Lord. And he was an older man, older than me. And he said, he said, we were talking about the Lord. He said, he's brought me a mighty long way. He's brought me a mighty long way. Remember where he brought you from. I want this church not to say we love the world and, I mean, the sinners and we love people. And some people, don't go out there and call people sinners. Don't call them the lost. Don't give them name tags. They're people. They're people. But I want this church to love those that are out there. I want us to love those that are far from God. I'm not after, I've I've been crying out to God. And I'm not asking God to fill this house with 
a bunch of Christians. You know, this house, we've had it full to where you had to seat people in the, uh, back in the overflow, we had people sitting in the lobby, we had people sitting down here, all up there. And some people say, well, the day's gone. Well, it is if we are looking at that. But if we remember what God did in our life, individually, if we'll be reminded, well, God, look where you've brought me from. I tell you what, you have a down day. You have a day when you feel like, boy, everything's going wrong. Stop for a moment and remind yourself of where you were before Jesus. Or remind yourself of where you were maybe when you got a little straight, you strayed away a little bit. And yet he loved you back. I want us to show the world around us. To show Montgomery and the the river region, Prattville, Millbrook, Deetsville, Greenville, all the little places around Montgomery, Wetumpka, filled with people. In this area, 378,000 people by the latest census. 378,000 people. Most of them, if Jesus came back, they're not ready. I don't want us to sit and talk about caring about those people. I don't want us to sing about it, pray about it. Yes, all those things have their place. But what I want us to do is get up out of our seats and go out into the world and care about those around us and on our job, in our neighborhood, at the grocery store, at Walmart, at Kmart, Costco, wherever we may be, that we realize, Jesus, you've done so much for me. And my life is yours. Help me to be sensitive to those around me who are like I was. You know, if you could kind of picture it this way. You remember, I don't know if you saw the movie Titanic, but there's a scene after the boat, the ship has sank, and the people have been on these little, they're floating on, or on anything that will float. So the people, you know, that got away in life rafts or in, in the, the lifeboats, one of them decided, we got to go back. And they started going back, and the guy had a flashlight, and he's going out there searching. And there's a scene when he's going through these floating dead bodies. Listen, everybody, we come around. We're walking in a mass of humanity that is floating. They're dead. They don't realize it. And all they need is somebody to reach down, pull them out, get them in that boat. I'll never forget. We had a youth service years ago at a home, a get-together, a cookout, and one of our teenagers drowned in the pool. They were eating hamburgers. Somebody said, where is so-and-so? We went back and looked. He was at the deep end on the bottom. We dove in and got him out. 
and he was dead, no pulse or anything. And we started working on him, working on him, working on him. Had two doctors working on him, and I was praying over him. And they're working on him, and I'm praying over him. And all of a sudden, he went, <coughs> and water just <coughs> went out of his mouth. And that young man came back alive. Now, let me tell you, you go out in this world, everywhere you are around you, you're out there. And if you will, you can reach and pull them up off the bottom of the pool. Because that's where they are. Don't get so wrapped up in your life. Listen, God wants us to be blessed and he wants us to have, enjoy life and all of that. But there's no greater joy than rescuing the perishing and bringing them in and seeing God breathe new life into them. Make one of your highest joys. We're getting out and grabbing a hold of someone and seeing God change their life. Every one of you that say, that's what I want to do in my life. I want to do that. I want God to use me to make a difference for someone that needs Jesus, that needs to know God. If that's you, I want you to just stand to your feet. Just stand to your feet. I'm telling you, if you do this, you better be careful. You better be ready. Because you can, Denise and I, I can tell you story after story of just stopping on a trip, pulling over to just get something in a service station our little convenience store. And all of a sudden, God shows you, I set this up. I've had it happen when something went wrong. Something went wrong. Got my mind off of driving. Got to my, and I have a heavy foot. And before I knew it, there was, Yew! and I thought, oh Lord. He pulled me over. He said, come back here, son. Come back here. I was younger. So I went back, sat in his car. And guess what happened? God set it up. It became so obvious. As soon as I sat in that car, I felt, I knew, all right. I felt the Lord. And I began, I, I began to minister to him. Now, I'm not saying this happened, but he went, poured the ticket up. I got to pray with him and everything. But even if he'd given me the ticket, I'd have rejoiced all the way. See, you never know if you're willing. Father, we are willing to be used for your glory. Help us to remember where you've brought us from. Help us not to forget, oh God, I pray, wash us from the cares and all the, the stuff going on in our life that distracts us and makes us focus only on ourselves. We lay ourselves down at your feet. And Jesus, we believe you care more about us than we do. And you've got a plan to work it out in our life. You already know what you're gonna do for us, but God, here's what we're asking. We give you our bodies, we give you our life. Make us a living witness for you, Jesus Christ. Use us to touch the lives of somebody. Would you pray this little prayer out loud with me? 
Jesus, I ask you, use me this week in someone's life. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com.